Romans chapter 15, beginning with verse 14, reading responsibly through verse 20. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in somewhat, as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have therefore, whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ, in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Alaric, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Together also on verse 20, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. We've been in the book of Romans, and the book of Romans is divided in several categories. The first section is about sin. Sin, chapters 1 through 3, rank sinners, religious sinners, everybody's a sinner. Chapters 4 and 5 speak about salvation, sin, and salvation that comes through the person of Jesus Christ. Chapters 6, 7, and 8 speak about the sanctification problem, the problem I have with my flesh, the problem I have with the law, and my solution in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. So we have sin, salvation, sanctification. Chapters 9, 10, 11 speak about the sovereignty of God and salvation as it pertains to the nation of Israel. And then chapters 12 through 16 speak about the testimony of God's people to an unsaved world and with one another. Our testimony. It tells us how we should live. Tells us what we should do. God gave us the Bible for two main reasons to show us how to get to heaven from here. Number one, uh, that from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures which were able to make you wise unto. Hey, if, you, if you're not saved today, you need someone to take the Bible and show you how to be saved. If you've already done that, the next thing you need to do is to begin to find out what God wants you to do. That's the second reason of the Bible is to show us what to do after we know we're saved. The Bible is primarily for Christians. It is for Christians. This service is not designed for unsaved people particularly. Unsaved people will not going to find all that much impressive with the singing about the blood of Christ. They're not going to understand the praise or the prayer time as we who are children of God ought to. The song we just heard, Hope, is a great blessing, but primarily to Christians. The Word of God is given to us. Services are not designed for the unsaved. Quite frankly, uh, people need to be saved because I leave the church and go out to their, to their locations and talk to them about Jesus. I talked to a lady yesterday, Miss Linda Wittig, who is in a wheelchair suffering with Parkinson's disease. 
But her and Miss Jane went, went walking in the wheelchair and stopped and talked to people and led several people to Christ. Miss Jane is so weak she can't hardly speak articulately, but she can smile. She can smile, she can pray, even though her body has trapped her words and, and her muscles have, have, uh, have kept her from being able to exercise and do things. She can, she can look and listen and smile and pray while someone else shares the gospel. Talking to Brother Mike Goodall, not to lead a man to the Lord. Uh, yesterday, I had the joy to share the gospel with someone and see them get saved. And uh, many of our people have done that effectively, and I congratulate you. Getting the gospel out is very, very important. In this room, primarily, we, we hear what God wants us to do and are challenged from God's word to live out our Christian faith after we leave here. Buildings do not change lives, but what happens inside them do. And we are here to hear God's word, to not just be a hearer of the word, but to look into the perfect law of liberty and say, what do you want me to change? All of you did that this morning. You looked not into the law of liberty, you looked into a mirror. And most of you did something about it. What you saw when you woke up looking in the mirror, if you came to church that way, we would be laughing at each other until the cows came home. But thank God most of us looked in the mirror and we saw the, the, the sleep in her eyes, we saw the lines on her face, we saw the, 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 the beard that's grown out overnight, and we saw her hair going every which way but loose. And we did something about it. We saw the scum on her teeth, and we said, you know, I think I'm going to brush my teeth. I think I'm going to shower. I think I'm going to comb my hair. I think I'm going to go out and see what I saw wrong and fix it. Well, that's exactly what we do when we hear God's Word in Sunday school or discipleship or in this service or tonight at 6 o'clock. We have the opportunity to look into the Word of God and say, God, what do you want me to change inside of me? And happy is the person who does change, that makes the adjustment and says, here's what God wants me to do. We've been talking about a testimony that God wants us to have. And in the beginning of chapter 12, a testimony of appreciation. I beseech you by the mercies of God. We're glad that God was merciful to us. A testimony of presentation and dedication, giving ourselves to the Lord. A testimony of cooperation and humility. A testimony of love without dissimulation. A testimony of giving good for evil and not evil for evil. A testimony of trusting God through difficult times. Chapter 13, a testimony of honoring our civic leaders, of, of humbly loving those around us, of living honestly and wholly living in the community and not fulfilling the lust of our flesh. Chapter 14, we learn that our testimony should be one of understanding my brothers and sisters. We understand three things about each other in chapter 14. Number one, that if you're saved, you're accepted by your heavenly Father. I'm accepted, and so are you if you're saved. So if God accepts you, guess what I should do? Accept you. We also know that our brothers and sisters, each of us, are accountable of themselves to God. You're accountable for you, and I'm accountable to me. And we're all accountable to God directly. And we also understand that God assists each other. He helps us stand. His goal for you in this wicked day is for you to stand. If you're in the balcony, God wants you to stand when you, stand, when you go out to work tomorrow. At your school, at your, at your universities, at your, at your classrooms, at your high schools, God wants you to stand. 
Stand against wickedness, stand against evil of their day, and stand to witness for Christ and be a blessing and be uniquely, distinctively different as a child of God. That's his goal, and he's assisting us to do that. We sign also that in chapter 14 that he challenges us of a testimony of personal responsibility. One thing is missing today terribly is responsibility. Everybody has their opinions about what everybody else ought to be doing. And oftentimes when something happens, people step back and say, well, that's not me, that's not me. I'm not responsible. But the truth of the matter is, God wants us to be responsible to God, to ourself, to others, and to an unsaved world, to other Christians' unsaved world. And then he gives us the elements of the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is not a bunch of rules. It's not meat and drink, doing this, doing that. It's not social distancing protocol. It's not worth it. Don't destroy the work of God over a suggestion of social distancing. He said, don't do that. Opinions are not the important thing. He said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not arguments about diet and days. But the kingdom of God is found in love, in righteousness, in peace, and joy the Holy Ghost. And you can't buy those at Sam's Club. Those all come from the Holy Spirit of God live Christian. And that's sort of your testimony. People know you and the world and your family, they ought to know. I was so blessed. One of our ladies recently went down with her husband to a, um, to a environment, a, a funeral, where everyone in the family were not saved, or most people aren't saved, and many are antagonistic. And they said some very hurtful things to them because she dresses differently, because she acts differently, because she looks differently. And she went into a place where people had not any fear of God. And she smiled and worked through those situations and even the rejection. On the way back home, one of the folks who were most nasty toward her called her as she was driving back from a southern state back here. And she started crying. This mean, hateful, anti-Christ in her attitude lady said, you know what? I'm so sorry. I don't know why I had such animosity towards you. You're so beautiful. You were nice to me when I'm not nice to you. You had love when I had hate. You had, you had peace when I had discord. Whatever I said to you, would you please forgive me? She's not even a Christian. But you know what she saw in the testimony of that precious lady? She saw things she couldn't manufacture herself. She saw love and righteousness, and peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what people that see us in the community ought to see. They ought to see what in the world makes her tick? What makes them tick? How can they go through their life so gracious, and so joyous, and so giving? Wherever you go, you are a moonlight Christian, reflecting the Lord Jesus Christ, the sun, the light of the world, onto a dark planet. I think this is the passion of the Apostle Paul. He sits in the church at Corinth and writes out. He actually dictates this to Tertullius, who is actually the writer of this book of Romans. He's at the church at Corinth where he had spent some time there. There are about seven or eight people with him that have joined him. Gaius and Timothy is there. And, and the, the, the treasurer of the city of Corinth who got saved, he's there. Erastus and other people are there. And he is dictating this letter telling them, hey, your testimony matters. 
We saw in chapter 15 this last week several things that help us. Number one, we have a testimony of edifying other people. You and I need to help others, not tear them down, but build them up. That's what Christians should be known for. That's what in your, in your, in your realm, uh, listen, don't, don't be a negative naysayer. Enough about being the devil's advocate. Okay, there's something about that I don't like, the devil. Always bringing bring in cold water, quenching the spirit. Don't do that. You and I ought to be known for edifying one another. We ought to be known for the love of the word of God. We see that through the patience and through the instruction of the scriptures, we can have hope. We heard about that this morning in song. And then we ought to be known in our testimony to be one of unity and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have unity, you've got to fight for it. If you have peace, you've got to fight for it. We have to fight our own flesh, our own selfishness, our own motives that are oftentimes suspect. And he tells us, let's have a testimony of unity. I want to talk to you today a little bit, just in the few moments we have together, beginning verse number 14, a testimony of world evangelism. We heard the song today, and it talked about a broken home that needs to be reconciled. It talked about a broken world that needs hope. And this is very fitting for us today. Look at verse number 14. Here's the testimony of world evangelism. I think every Christian ought to do something every week so the world hears about Jesus. I do believe that with all my heart. I ought to be telling people around the corner and around the world the gospel at the same time. It grieves me when people give more money and more attention to dog food than they do the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't think there's anything wrong about dog food. Just don't eat it, okay? Let your dog eat it. But I would say you ought to look down at your budget and say, how much are we spending on getting the gospel to the ends of the earth? And how much are we spending on fluff? And stuff that's not going to matter. It's sad that we oftentimes don't do that. And God is interested. God is a global God. For God so loved the... When you get a heart for God's big world, he'll get a heart for your little world. And he wants, he is a God of global conquest. You might have heard the story of David and Goliath and whenever his older brother said, go back and watch sheep. You're just over here to get into the action. Go back. Don't you have a little sheep or something you're supposed to be watching for daddy? And he came back to him with a statement. Is there not a, is there not a, is there not a reason for us to not let this big nine foot, six inch tall Philistine curse our God? Is there not a reason to conquer? And a few hours later, as he stood with a slingshot in front of him, he told him, the Goliath told him, I'm going to feed you to the birds. He says, it's going to be the other way around, big boy. He said this, that all the earth may know. Even in David and Goliath's story, we understand the purpose, the cause is that people around the world may know. I've said this before, I don't want to bore you with it, but if it is true that only 4% of the world's population lives in America, that means there's 96% of the world's population lives somewhere else. There's about a 96% chance that you and I ought to do something about it every day of our life. You ought to be praying for missionaries. You ought to be giving to missionaries. You ought to be saying, Lord, do you want me to be a missionary? And I think the Apostle Paul, who was one of the first missionaries sent out on purpose in Acts chapter 13 from the church of Antioch, had a passion. You know, we have a passion for, a passion for arguing on Facebook. 
We got a passion for sports. We got a passion for a hobby or golf or whatever else that we can get involved with. And we're missing a passion for what God's passionate about, and that's people. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in His sight. This morning, I'd like to help you, if you would please, let's just walk through this passage of Scripture and say, listen, am I known for my passion for world evangelism? I spoke this week in, from Australia to uh, our good friend, Brother Keith Piper, and he is a mess. I love that guy. He's written a 1,500-page book. If I had to write 1,500 pages, it would take me about seven millenniums. But he is a go-getter. And I remember him standing right here at this pulpit and saying this. I pray this every day. Lord, make my life to be used of you to have a global impact with the gospel. Well, that guy is excited about getting stop tracks, establishing the faith, answers books. He's one guy sitting in the middle of Sydney, Australia, trying to conquer the world with the gospel. As I prayed with him this week, he said, he prayed to the Lord, said, God, would you flood the world with the gospel in our day, in these last days while we wait for you to come, like the water that goes over the Pacific Ocean? Would you do something, start a revival of getting the gospel out to the ends of the earth? We live in a land that's flooded with light. We talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and some of the world hasn't heard about the first coming. You go ask some people in the world, and they say, well, you know about Jesus? Yeah, is he a movie star? Who is he? Is he a rock star? Where is he popular? They don't even know who he is. And that should put a great heaviness on us to do what we can do in our lifetime to be used of God. Verse 14, can you look at it with me? We see some elements of uh, world evangelism. And I myself also persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are what? Full of goodness, filled with all, able also to. I want to share with you just quick three things there. That the gospel missions, world evangelism needs, number one, it needs somebody to practice goodness. Do we know what goodness is? Someone tell me another word for goodness. Yes, sir, Brother John? Sharing. It's got goods that you have you're sharing with other people. For people to hear the gospel, it took money for every one of us to get saved. God uses men, money, materials, and media for people to get saved. And all of those, men, material, and media, are all financed by money. Nobody here got saved without any investment of somebody else. And he says, when it comes to world evangelism, you need to be full of goodness, and that's generosity. That's learning to give. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, uh, long-suffering, goodness. It means generosity. One thing the missions needs is generosity. It's sad to me when some people, they make unbelievable amount of money and they give fractions to the work of God. Oh, they're buying this and buying this and looking to get this, and they have more cash and, and, and investments going, but they give very limited to the work of God. That should not be my testimony. That should not be your testimony because the gospel of Christ needs someone who are filled with goodness. We about break our arms, slapping ourselves on the back collectively. And I'm thankful even in the COVID, 
I think if I calculate it right, we've given almost $150,000 over and above our general giving to world evangelism in these last several weeks. And that's because of you chosen to do it. I don't know if there's any big givers in that situation. Just everybody just gives a little bit more every week, and I thank God for it. We didn't have a missions conference. Yet our missions giving has increased, and God is helping us. And, and that's a blessing, but I think it could be more. You think about uh, people that are delivering food to, to 50 families a day, trying to give them, or a week, trying to give them a little bit of food to make it through their COVID prices, but also giving in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know how, how people hear the gospel? So when someone's full of goodness, when uh, someone's just filled with knowledge, we need to study larger maps. Most of us, we might know how to get in, around in Hammond and Crown Point, but we don't know anything about Zanzibar. We don't know anything about Madagascar. We don't, need any, we don't know anything. We wouldn't know Asia from Europe. We don't know where commissionaries are. We're not concerned about that. And I think we ought to be filled with knowledge of what God is trying to do. One thing I know for sure is that God is at work. You men up here, God's at work. He's at work in you and he's at working through you. You single housewife, or you, you, you single mom, or you housewife, or you single adult, or you senior citizen, you're a teenager. Listen, God is at work in this world. He wants to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. He has a purpose. He's trying to bring about the gospel of Jesus. And you want to be a part of that. And that requires us to be filled with goodness and filled with knowledge. Look at the next one. It says there in verse 14, what does the Bible say toward the end? Able also to admonish one another. Able also to challenge other people. I was sitting in my office this morning studying early this morning. I got a text from Don Sisk. Don Sisk today is in Marion Avenue Baptist Church in Washington, Iowa with Brother, with Brother Brown, Joe Brown. And he said, I have fond memories, I have good memories of being with you in 2016 when my wife Virginia was still here. And we preached together and challenged this church. That's a great missions church. But I started thinking about, you know, the reason I'm standing here today, the reason that my wife and I sat down and gave today, I think what would be called a generous gift that we give every single week to World Evangelism, our, our number one expenditure out of the Wilkerson home is what we give to missions. But it all started when I was 17. And someone admonished me. Don Sisk encouraged me to take an offering envelope, take a, a faith promise commitment card, and do something every week for world evangelism. For people to hear the gospel, someone needs to be a generous person. Someone needs to study some larger maps and ask God, what do you want me to know about my role in world evangelism? And then somebody needs to say, Lord, help me to challenge other people to do it was driving yesterday with our son, Drew, and I was challenging him. I said, Drew, you're giving to missions? Are you giving to world evangelism? He said, Dad, I am. It's growing, Dad, and God's helped me. I want, my, I want all my kids to do that. I want God to bless them. We just got a little parentheses of, of our life to do something for world evangelism, to get in the world of the gospel. Let's look at verse 15. I must hasten. You're listening good, and thank you very much. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you in some sort, putting you in mind because of the grace that's given to me. He says, now, for some of you, I'm really getting in your face here. 
because of what God's called me to do. Verse number 16, that I should be a minister of Jesus Christ to whom? Gentiles. So it's about Christ and it's to the people that are not Jewish in this case. Ministering the gospel of God and the offering up of the Gentiles that might be acceptable, being sanctified by whom? Verse 17, he said, we're in, a, we're in a partnership here. Christ, the Holy Spirit, and me trying to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Verse number 17, I have therefore whereof that I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. He said, I have some things that God's done in my life and I thank God for them. Verse 18 says, for I will not dare speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient in word and deed. He says, I, he said, I'm not here to brag about this except for what God has done in causing people not only to believe the word, but to practice Christianity. Verse number 19, through the mighty signs and wonders by the spirit or by the power of who? So that from Jerusalem and round about Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Can you imagine that? He had gone to every place he could find a human being and preached the gospel of Christ. Would you read verse 20 with me? Yea, so I have preached that, excuse me, I've strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, but as is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see. That's in Isaiah 52, verse 15. And they that have not heard shall understand, for which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. I want you to notice a couple things in closing. For the gospel to go out to the ends of the earth. And by the way, every church needs to be a local and a global church simultaneously. I don't care if you have 50 people or 5,000 people. For that to happen, every Christian ought to be a local and a global Christian. You ought to give your tithes and offerings to the Lord. You ought to give to world evangelism. You ought to consider, Lord, what do you want me to do? Which mission field can I go to? Maybe this would be a good idea for our vacations. On Rather than doing something that maybe another option, we ought to might send to go to a mission field. Help somebody. Encourage somebody. Many of us need to go. But he says, you need this. first of all, we need, we need to have be filled with, 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 with generosity, goodness. Filled with knowledge, studying larger maps. Filled with, with the admonition, encouraging other people. Then I find also it needs ministers. The success or failure of any work for God rests heavily upon the man of God himself. Jesus saw this in Matthew chapter 9. The Bible says he went about to the cities and the villages. He went to the synagogues where people were interested in talking about spiritual things. And he helped the people there. And then... He said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. You know what you need to pray for when you pray, friend? Don't just pray for your ingrow toenail to get fixed. Pray for laborers. Pray that God would send somebody to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. When you see a missionary, you ought to say, I want more of those. When someone coming through and a child, whether they're 13 or 31, and they come here and surrender themselves to the Lord, it ought to thrill your heart and say, yes, that's an answer to prayer. 
When you see a Hiles Anderson College student sitting by you next week, you ought to say, praise the Lord, God, what is their name? Your name is what? Write it down and begin praying that God would use them as a minister of the gospel of Christ. God would help her marry a, a preacher. God would help her to serve the Lord. God would help him to keep strong and pure so he could be a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, missions needs ministers. World evangelism, you can give all the money you want, and not, none of us should be satisfied just writing a fancy, fancy check. We ought to pray, we ought to give, we ought to go, we ought to consider what God wants us to do personally in this matter. World evangelism, we ought to have a testimony of generosity, a testimony of knowledge and understanding, knowing missionaries, knowing where they're at, what they need, a testimony of, of, of admonition, challenging other people to do it, a testimony of developing leaders. Listen, one of the reasons we have a Hammond Baptist School, and I'm grateful we're going to open our doors tomorrow. I'm so pleased and so thankful as I met with the teachers and talking to Brother Woosley. I'm grateful. But why we have a school? Just to give the three R's? It's not worth it. But if we can't train young people to serve Christ and want to please the Lord, it's just a waste of money. Why we have a Hammond Baptist, why we have a City Baptist School that's going to open on Tuesday, why we have a Howells Institute College is because God has a goal, and that is global conquest. And the problem is not with the harvest, the problem is with laborers. World evangelism needs ministers. It needs the Holy Spirit of God. I, I'm not going to give credit to this like I should. But you can't read this passage without seeing a reference to the power of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And you know what's neat? We're labors together with God. Are you a spirit-filled Christian? If you are, you'll be a world evangelism Christian. Because the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. Getting the world the gospel of Christ. Say, Pastor, what are we talking about this morning? I'm talking about having a testimony that I care about someone more than me. I care more about First Baptist Church. I care about the world. Because God so loved the world. And our testimony must be one of generosity, of care, and so much... Many times we come to this service and all we're thinking about is someone hurt my feelings. Someone didn't treat me right. I don't have what I need. I wish I didn't have that. I air conditioning went out last night in my house. That's nothing compared to what we should be thinking about. We ought to be thinking about something a lot bigger than that. That is what God is doing in the world and let's be a part of it.